0: Not, it's, again, it's not to be cool and talk about, oh, we would have encounters with God and, and you know, that, that whole thing. Close encounters of a third kind or whatever it is. Encounters are an invitation into lifestyle. All right? An encounter is not God showing up or his spirit showing up and him saying, hi, my name is Holy Spirit, pleased to meet you. And then he leaves and goes somewhere else. It's it's an invitation into a relationship, an encounter that that is consistent, that's increasing and continual. We were never made, especially in the new covenant, Jesus shedding his blood so that you and I could be grasped, can be brought in and become sons and daughters. That didn't happen just so his presence could come upon us and then leave. It happened so that we could actually carry with us everywhere that we go the manifest presence of God himself it's not just an encounter where we meet him and we can tell people oh I met God that one time and I felt his presence and even last week I even encountered God last week he doesn't want to just come and go come and go come and go he wants to abide he wants to stay with us he doesn't want to date us he doesn't want to pull up to the house and get out of the car and come to the doorbell and ring it and see if we're available and ready. He doesn't want to pick up the phone call and say, hey, what are you doing Friday night? You got any plans? Yeah, I think I have to wash my hair, God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he, he doesn't want to date us. He doesn't want to go through this, this inferior type of relationship. He wants us to have a covenant. He wants us to have a continual relationship. So encounters are not just these special little feelings that we get every now and then. Encounters are not a reprieve from the mundane life. Like, oh, my life really sucks right now, but I need an encounter with God so that my life can be better. Okay, it's not just to get past that moment, that mundane, that frustration in life. It's an invitation into, this is what life is in the kingdom. The encounter is the gate into the kingdom. The encounter is a, it's a coming face to face with the personal presence of who God is. It's, it's, he doesn't send His presence to us like we think that we do, like He sends off His presence, or He brushes His coat over us and it represents His, his presence coming over us. He sends Himself to us, and He makes Himself vulnerable to the, to the desires of our heart. Do you guys know that? Like God Himself humbles Himself, sent Jesus as a humbled servant to be moved by the desires of man. That's why he said about him, we don't have a high priest who's unfamiliar with our ways. We don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our pains and sufferings. But we have a high priest who's better than any priest that's ever been. He's familiar with our sufferings. For in every way we've been tempted, he's been tempted. So he knows how we feel. And not only that, not only can he sympathize with us and empathize with us, he's there ready to make intercession for us. That means he's vulnerable to our heart. Listen to me. If he why would God say Jesus stands at the right hand of the fodder? Father, 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 <laughs> all of a sudden Elmer Fudd came and started speaking. <laughs> Hello, Mother. Hello, Father. <laughs> oh Lord. I don't even know where I was. I just quit. I'm going to come over here, shake it off, shake it off, right? I literally lost track, but that's fine. He didn't say, God himself didn't write the words and say, I'm sending Jesus to become a, a priest who will stand between me and man and will, and will intercede for man, will intercede for us. Now look, it's not Jesus standing between the anger of God and the sin of man saying, God, please don't get him. He's moved past that. It's a better ministry. It's a better covenant. The old covenant was a covenant of condemnation, was a covenant of punishment, was a a covenant of sin versus holiness. But the new covenant is a covenant, a ministry of reconciliation. So when when it says Jesus stands between us and the Father interceding for us, He's cheering us on. He's rooting for us saying hey God they're really getting strong in this area let's release more into that area there let's give them more grace in that area they're really coming along here so it's your grace that's so let's give them more of what's causing that growth in their life he's standing ready to make intercession for us when we ask earlier how many need something from God I need blank from God he gives himself to us he releases himself to us amen that's what encounters are for. That's why we talk about it all the time. That's why at least three or four times a service, we ask you to pray for an encounter or pray for someone next to you to have an encounter. Or at the end, hey, if you need an encounter with God, let's have an encounter with God. Everything is about coming face to face with him. It's not just a brief from life. It's an invitation into his life, into his kingdom. <clears throat> encounters are an invitation to a lifestyle of abiding in his fullness. It's an enticement into ever-increasing glory. Why do we need encounters with God? Because it reveals to us what's possible. It reveals to us what life in the kingdom really can be like. You see, the the, the reason, and we'll read this in just a moment, but the reason that the covenant was was inferior in some ways is because it it dissipated, was because it faded. Moses would go up, talk face-to-face with God, and all of a sudden his whole countenance would glow like a bright light. And he would come down from the mountain... And there was two reasons why he put a veil on. We always talk about the first one because they were offended at his brightness and like, well, we cannot even look at you, Moses, because you're so bright. But if you'll read it, it says that Moses put a veil on his face because he didn't want the people to see that the glory faded. He didn't want them to see that that great presence of God that was on him would s- slowly disappear from him. So he put a veil on his face. Did you guys know that? Today, we're, we're doing that Hosting His Presence book uh, by Bill Johnson in a class, and I had a great discussion today. And it talks about the prophets. It says the, the prophets of, the, of that day, of the old covenant, looked forward. They were called seers, and they could see into the future. Of what was possible and they could see the kingdom of God coming to earth and the Bible says that they longed for the day that we live in right now do you guys know that the prophets Elijah Moses David Deborah Esther Daniel all these great people of God in the Old Covenant they looked ahead in time and they saw what was coming that they didn't have available to them and they longed for it they craved the encounters with God himself Not an encounter that would come upon them and then dissipate or fade away. They looked ahead. They saw that there was a time coming when God would would send His Son, who would become the Word made flesh, and He would dwell among mankind. And His name would be called Emmanuel, which would be God with us. Not God resting on us and leaving. Not God visiting us and then going away. Not God overshadowing us and then going away like a cloud when it overshadows us. God himself coming and living among man. He's, they saw this. You know, what? I always thought of that scripture that the, the prophets long for the day we, we live in, I, I often think about the supernatural. I often think about the miracles in and, and, and Acts when 5,000 were added to the kingdom in one day and then 3,000 were added the next day and all the sick people were being healed in the streets because of the shadows. And I thought, man, the prophets looked ahead and longed for that day, but that's not what they longed for. They longed for the presence of God coming into their heart, into their being and staying there. That's what they craved. They craved the personal presence of God coming and indwelling them. They even prophesied and said, hey, the latter house, the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former house. Why? Because the glory of the former house faded away. It leaked out of people. We talked about this thing. I told them I was trying to be careful to take the class uh, you know, because it came so close and touched on some of the things in here. But you would see the presence of God, the Spirit of God come upon people in the Old Covenant, and they would do amazing exploits. They would perform crazy signs and wonders. And then the very next chapter, let's use Elijah, for example, he calls fire down from heaven because he wanted to. I want to talk about that for a second. God didn't tell him, hey, Elijah, I want you to prove that I'm God because I'm a little insecure today. (laughs) so I want you to go down and make sure those people know who I am because they're forgetting. They're not really getting this right, and I'm really upset. It was in Elijah's heart to show them who God was. He was like, you know what? I want them to know who you are, God. So it it was birthed out of his heart. So that passion was him being moved by God, and he actually moved the hand of God. His heart moved God. God didn't say, Now, the way I want you to show that I'm God is I want you to build an altar, and I want you to let them make fools of themselves all day long, and I want you to make fun of them, because I love it when you make fun of them. I want you to laugh at them. Well, maybe your God's on the toilet, you know, and that's literally what he said. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's on the toilet. I want you to make fun of them. And then I want you to, to, once they're tired and they're weary and they've cut themselves and they've bled everywhere and they've done all their rituals, I want you to to tell them, all right, get out of the way. Let's, let's, Let's show you how it's really done. And I want you to rebuild the altar. And then in the middle of a drought, just to make them even more angry, I want you to ask for 12 barrels of water. In the middle of a drought, ask for 12 barrels of water, just to tick off a little bit more so that they can see I'm God. So God didn't tell him to do that. Elijah chose that method. To show who God was. The whole process was birthed out of a heart. To show who God really was. So God's spirit comes upon him. He prays a simple prayer. Hey God I know you're the only God. Show these people you're the only God. By sending fire from heaven. And right after he said the prayer. The Bible says that fire came down. Consumed the sacrifice that was the water was poured on. In the middle of a drought. And it lapped up and it burned up. And singed all the sacrifice and all the water. And everyone there was like he's really God. And then he didn't quit there. He went and killed all the false prophets. Amazing exploit. I mean, how many of you would love for God's presence to come on you like that? And you begin to show people who God really is. Yeah, what's he doing in the very next chapter? He's running for his life because he's scared of some woman, which I can understand. But <laughs> <laughs> especially one named Jezebel. It's kind of got a, I, I bet even then when you heard the name Jezebel, they were like, ooh, that's kind of a scary name. <laughs> before she ever was alive. And he's scared of this lady, running for his life, and he goes and he hides. He goes and hides the man who God's presence just came on with such power and authority that he called fire from heaven with his mouth and killed all the false prophets in front of everybody. I mean, he should have been like, man, I'm the man. That's right. God is all, watch, God's on my side. <laughs> you better watch out. But no, he was the most insecure he'd ever been in his life because there was a threat to kill him. Oh, you killed our prophets? Well, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. And he runs and he hides, and he's having a pity party. Woe is me, I'm the only one that loves God. You just converted like a whole nation to God, and he's all by himself. How does it go from the great high, the great high of pulling fire down from heaven to the I'm all by myself playing a little fiddle, singing a sad song? Because the presence of God came on him and it faded. It faded. All through the Old Testament, you'll see it, it talked about the presence of God would come upon them and then it would, it, would, it would leave. Even people that weren't right with God would get around people that were in a, in a very passionate, intimate relationship with God. And they would start prophesying even though they weren't right with God and they weren't prophets. And then when the prophets would leave, they couldn't prophesy anymore. It was this, this thing of it coming and going. John the Baptist was the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets. Did you guys know that? That, uh, But he was in the New Testament. It's all mixed up because the New Testament didn't start until Jesus' blood spilled. That's the New Covenant, right? The New Covenant started when Jesus spilled his blood. So John the Baptist was the greatest of all the Old Covenant prophets, all, all the Old Testament prophets. And you know what he said about himself? I must decrease so that he can increase. What's he speaking of? The old is a diminishing, decreasing, inferior glory. Even though it's beautiful, it's glorious, it's full of glory. It's inferior to the glory that's coming. Because the glory that's here comes for a little bit and then leaves. But the glory that's about to come is going to come into a vessel. It's going to be sealed by the Holy Spirit so that it doesn't leak. And not only that, is it's going to continue to expand and increase from glory to glory. It's an ever-increasing glory. Amen? That's why we pursue encounters. Because this is an ever-increasing thing we're in. We're not in some diminishing religion. We're not in some religion that's dying. We're not speaking words that are stale. The Word of God isn't stale bread. It's more fresh than it ever has been before. It gets better and better. You and I have been called into encounters with God, into a covenant with God, where He seals with... Seals us with this Holy Spirit where we don't have moments of brilliance followed by moments of failure. See, encounters are God literally showing us who He is and then inviting us to know Him that way from then on. How many of you have ever had an encounter with God? How many of you have had an encounter with the peace of God before? You know what I'm talking about, that peace that just comes and you're like, man, I've never experienced. That wasn't just for you to taste peace and know that whenever you're in a really bad place again, you can taste peace again. The peace came so that you can know the Prince of Peace. How many of you ever just been overcome with joy? You didn't have any reason, but you were just filled with joy. That wasn't just for you to be happy and enjoy life just for that moment. It was meant to be a lifestyle. He was imparting to you something that you can steward. You can have joy, ever-increasing joy. You can have peace and ever-increasing peace. That's why Jesus said to them, hey, I'm not giving you peace the way the world gives you peace, but the peace I give to you, it lasts. It goes on and on and on. You guys are getting this. This is what encounters are all about. Encounters. Why is this important? Why do we talk about it? Because it's the key to the kingdom. You see, when, when Jacob had the dream, and the Bible talks about the, the ladder that went between earth and heaven, and the Bible says that there were angels ascending and descending on the ladder. Anyone remember the story? He fell asleep on a rock, which I don't know how you sleep as a rock as a pillow. If I don't, if I don't take my pillow with me, then I, I can't sleep. I have, my pillow goes everywhere. It's like my, my wobby or my blankie, whatever you want to call it. It's my blankie. My pillow goes, I go camping, and my is going with me. If I go wherever... I, I don't know how they sleep, but he falls asleep on a rock pillow and has a dream. And he sees heaven open up and sees angels ascending and descending on a ladder. And he wakes up from the dream and goes, this is the place of God. This is the house of God. He calls it Bethel. This is the house of God. And he goes, the house of God is also the gate of heaven. Where, who is the house of God now? Yeah. So if the house of God is the gate to heaven... What are we? We are gates to the kingdom of heaven. Everywhere that we go, people can access the kingdom just by coming in contact with you and I. Because we are in contact with one who's greater than we are. We have encountered the king of kings. We've encountered the supernatural. We've encountered a superior kingdom that is now living inside of us that's looking for a place to get out because it's expanding inside of us. And we are the gates that everywhere we go, I want you to think of it like, I am a gate. I can open and I can close things. I can open heaven and I can close hell from getting in. I can open heaven and I can close hell from getting in. Everywhere we go, we can open and close. That's why he says whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. There's this picture of I've encountered God. I've come into a personal, intimate relationship with him. And now because I know him. I can release the knowledge of who he is so that the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. That the whole earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Who is going to tell the world of of who he is? Who is going to release the knowledge of his character and his nature? The house of God, the gate of heaven. You and I, that's what we've been called to do. Let me ask you a question. Which came first, the encounter or the truth? Which came first, an encounter or the truth? I, I will be completely honest with you. Because I have a teaching thing. I always think for people to really encounter God, they have to think properly first. How many feel the same way that I do on that? It's just, man, man, people, you can't encounter God if you can't think right. You have to think better. Most of the men in the room, we raised their hands, because it's kind of a man thing. you got to teach, you can't, come on, man, you got to earn your stripes before you step into that, right? But there's that thing of, I have to communicate truth to people, and as soon as they understand what I'm saying, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? And nobody understands. (laughs) What movie is that? Jackie Chan and somebody, I don't know. Chris Tucker, right, yeah. Lord, help me. <laughs> See, he, he lets me speak from my heart. He's not, I'm not a puppet. <sighs> I, I felt my whole life, the way to get people to encounter God was to speak truth to them. And as soon as they would know truth, then they would have the encounter. not the way it is. The encounter comes first. Because it's by faith that we have the encounter. See, I thought of truth as information. I thought of truth as, as, as revelation. I thought truth was a revelation from God. I thought truth was knowledge, was, I thought it was knowledge and information. But he is the truth. Yes, exactly. yes. He's the truth. The way I know and the way I'm led into all truth is I encounter him, the truth. The encounter comes first. Do you know how many times Jesus mirrored this in his life? He he showed this perfectly in the way he did ministry. He would heal people. He would deliver people. He would do miracles. People would encounter that miracle and know who he was, and then he would tell them why what happened happened. He would do something and then explain to them what happened. He'd take, hey, what do you got? You got, oh, you got five loaves and two fish? Fine, bring it here. Let's just multiply it and give it out to everybody. We'll, I'll explain to you later. (laughs) Right? Everyone encountered the great food. And then his disciples came by. They're like, hey, what did you just do there? Actually, what did we just do? Because we were the ones passing it out. (laughs) How did that happen? Well, here, and he would explain to them about faith. And he would explain to them how the word Inside of them comes fully equipped. And then nothing is impossible. And he would explain He would explain to them the information that they needed, not for the encounter. God doesn't give us truth or information so that we can be led into an encounter. He gives us an encounter, and then he follows it up with truth and information so that we can replicate what just happened. It, it's not preach the gospel to people so that it, they can encounter God. It's give people an encounter with God and then explain to them what just happened so that when they're by themselves, they can have another encounter with God. Exactly. Encounter came before the truth. And that was really hard for me to learn because I, I, I'm still, I still struggle with this. I mean, you can't, you can't know that about God yet. You just don't, you don't <laughs> even understand. You have to understand first. <laughs> Understanding and then encounter. Understanding then encounter. And God's like, no, I'm fixing to blow your world, Jared. You know how I learned this? Because I know things now that I had no knowledge of before. I understand things about God now that I'd never read or studied on my own. It came from being with him. And then when I was with him, he downloaded truth himself into me. And then he walked me into all truth with Holy Spirit, who's my counselor, And then he explained to me why what happened happens and how to keep it from leaking out of me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read this just because it's awesome. It'll seal it all up. 2 Corinthians 3. I'm going to read verse 9 through 18. It says, for the ministry of condemnation had glory. Much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For what had glory, in this case, has no glory because of the glory that surpassed it. In other words, this new glory is so awesome that it washes away the old glory. It, it can't even compare. For if that which fades away was with glory, how much more will that which remains be full of glory? Therefore having such a hope we use great boldness in our speech. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at at the end of what was fading. We're not like Moses. We don't want to cover our face so that people see that the glory that's on us is fading. We want people to see that the glory on us is an increasing glory. It goes on. It says but their hearts were were hardened. For even to this day, when you read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains because it's only removed in Christ. But so to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person let's change the word here, it says whenever a person turns to the Lord, let's change it. Whenever a person encounters the Lord, the veil is taken away. And then it tells us one of the most awesome scriptures and promises in the Bible. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And then, one of the most, again, just beautiful scriptures. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord from the Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's it, right there. My, my son always says, Matthias, that's what I'm talking about, baby. <laughs> and then if we've watched Duck Dynasty, that's what I'm talking about, Jack. <laughs> this is the message version of that scripture. We're going to close it out the message version of the exact same Second Corinthians 3, 9-18. I'm going to skip down a little bit. It says, he wore a veil so that the children of Israel wouldn't notice that the, glory was, that the glory was fading away, and they didn't notice. They didn't notice it then, and they don't notice it now. They don't notice that there's nothing left behind that veil. Even today, when, when the, the proclamation of the old, bankrupt government are read, they can't see through it. Only Christ can get rid of the veil so that, we can, so that they can see for themselves that there's nothing there. Whenever though they turn to face God, as Moses did, God removes the veil, and there they are, face to face. How beautiful. So when they have the encounter, suddenly they realize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit The old, constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete, and we're free from it. All of us, all of us free from it. Then it says this, nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of His face. And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become just like him. That's what I'm talking about, baby. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, Jack. <laughs> and I love that you guys had a treasure hunt and ministered to Godwin on in your treasure hunt. If you've watched Duck Dynasty, you know who Godwin is the bald guy with the goatee. That's who <laughs> he <laughs> looked just like Go watch the show. It's hilarious. Anyway, The encounter is meant to be continual it's not to, it's not meant to be an occasion the church has to get beyond the event and occasion orientation that we have we see church as going to a place we see worship as going through a, a song service we see prayer ministry as an altar time we see outreach as an event on a calendar for for, for whatever happened to us we, we begin to section off Christianity into sections and events and, and occurrences that were on a calendar somewhere. There were occasions. That's not at all what it was meant to be. We were meant to be an encounter-based people who are connected to the life-giving force, the life-giving source of all eternity, is living inside of us. I love the scripture. It says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in us. So we, we have a glory in us. Did you guys know that we have glory? No, only God has glory. Go, the Bible says that God sent Jesus to, he says, the glory that's in us, I ask that you give the, that same glory to them. When Jesus prayed, he said, Father, let's be, let's let them be one like you and I are one, and the glory you've given me, I'm giving it to them. Oh, the glory. We carry, what are we going to give to him when we stand before him? We're going to give him the glory that we received, that we had on this earth. We're going to give it back to him. So there's this glory on us. It's, that, it's the manifest presence of God that you and I, and, and, and look, we can have an encounter and know things that we don't know. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> I said that just for my wife. It's a funny thing that's been going on the last few weeks. She keeps hearing that phrase. You don't know what you don't know. It's so true. But you and I can encounter and know things about God and the way the kingdom works and not really even be able to explain it to people. That doesn't mean that we should stay in that place of not being able to explain it because we're supposed to give what we have away. So the the truth comes as I learn. God, why is this? Why do I know this is true about you so that I can tell someone else so that I can release it over someone else so that I can keep this knowledge and let it increase inside of me? Amen. Why don't you stand and let's just close it out with prayer. Father, we just ask now that you would even seal what you've spoken to us, that you would take the word, that it would nourish us, it would strengthen us, it would produce fruit inside of us right now. We ask for fruit to, to be produced, God. Father, I ask that everyone in here, everyone under the sound of my voice, would begin to have fresh, daily, continual encounters with you. I pray that you would take us to places in Spirit, Take us to places in the spirit realm and to the kingdom that we have no language for. And then as we connect to you in that place, walk us into the language so we can release it to others, God. Father, I pray that as we sleep, you would download wisdom and mysteries of the kingdom into our hearts. We can't wrap our minds around the kingdom. But we can wrap our hearts around it. I ask that we would do that, God. I ask that our hearts would be one purpose, one desire is to be with you. i say this before we pray. When we talked about the Old Testament prophets looked ahead and they longed for the day that we live in now, David gave us a glimpse of his heart. And he says, one thing I ask, one thing I seek, and that's that I may dwell in, in the house of the Lord forever, to gaze upon His beauty. They had a heart for what you and I have free access to. They longed for what you and I have full access to every second of the day. There there were appointed times where these great prophets and great women of old, they had appointed times where God would come upon them and it was over, it was an event. And they looked ahead and they were were jealous in a good way to see that you and I have access to Him 24-7. That we have access to him at any time we access our faith. That we can call and pull on this kingdom, this supernatural kingdom. And and, and we look back at them and we worship them. They're amazing people. They did amazing things. But we look at them and we put them on a pedestal as if to think, I can never do what Elijah did. I can never do what Esther did. But we have the same spirit that came on them for a short season living in us all the time. What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? You know, I'm very politically driven. I I listen to a lot of politics and a lot of the stuff that's going on. And I pray for my, I love freedom. America's all about freedom. I pray we always stay about freedom. And I get a little overwhelmed sometimes when I hear freedoms being taken away. and And the guns and freedom of speech and all the things that are being attacked in our country right now. And I understand why they're being attacked. But that doesn't mean you take people's freedom. Right? And so I get a little overwhelmed. And then this thought hit me this week. You're connected to a kingdom ...that doesn't play by the rules of the kingdoms of this world. What are you afraid of? What am I, why, would I, why would fear ever enter inside of me? The Spirit of God lives in me. I have access to His kingdom and the way His kingdom works. And no kingdom in this world can cause that kingdom to bow. So there's just this thing rising up, this confidence. And I am the house of God and the gate of heaven. Everywhere I go, I am an open heaven. We declared it during the offering... I'm an open heaven. I declare open heavens everywhere that I go. Why? Because the, the Spirit of God lives in me. And He has sealed me so that it doesn't diminish, so that it doesn't fade away, but it actually increases. Hmm. If you're here and you want, it, you want encounters right now, just raise your hand. We just, Father, fresh encounters. <laughs> fresh, living, active encounters, Father. Permanent encounters, Lord. <laughs> Connect us to you. We want to be in covenant with you. dream encounters god we ask for dream encounters sing over us while we sleep release mysteries over us while we sleep awaken our souls awaken our spirits to encounters with you reveal to us that we're always connected with you that we're in you and you're in us <laughs> god help us to continue to look face to face Until we look just like you, God. Until your bride looks just like you. (laughs) Mm. We are the body of Christ. (laughs) We're the body of Christ. We are connected to him. Yes, Lord. Fresh encounters. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Hmm. You know, keep praying. Go for it. We've got banners up here. We want to pray for you. If you need healing, you need an encounter with the healer today. We want to pray for you. I, 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 I'm, I'm asking for healing. Anyone else here? You need healing in your body, right now, Father. We, we ask that Jesus, the healer, would come. Jehovah Rapha. Right. Yes. Let's, let's lay hands. If you need healing, come up to the. To the carpet, we're going to pray now. We're going to lay hands.